John relied on the preaching of God's word to draw the people. He did not have trunk or treat. He didn't have fish fries with live music to draw the people. He just preached a bold, strong, convictive message. He spoke the truth and he told sinners what they needed to do was to repent. John told them if they would repent of their sins that God would forgive them. He told them that they must believe in the coming Messiah. His message was simple. And if they were willing to repent, they could be baptized as a public symbol of their faith. As a public witness, they were dead to their old way of life, and they had a new life in Christ. Thank you for listening to the Calhoun Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Mark Abney. Today's episode features a sermon on baptism delivered by Brother Mark based on Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In this message, Brother Mark shares with us the significance of baptism as a sacrament in the Christian faith and how it represents our commitment to following Jesus. Brother Mark takes us through the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, where John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan River. He explains the different types of baptism, including water baptism and baptism of the Holy Spirit, and how they both serve as symbols of our faith and our relationship with God. As you listen to this sermon, we hope that you'll gain a deeper understanding of the importance of baptism in the Christian faith and how it can impact your own spiritual journey. Whether you're a longtime believer or someone who is new to Christianity, we hope that this message will inspire you and uplift you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this sermon on baptism by Brother Mark Abney. And if you find this podcast helpful, please consider sharing it with your friends and family or leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for listening. And now, Brother Mark Abney. The Lord has led me to go to the Gospel Mark. And so we're going to start preaching through the Gospel of Mark unless he changes what he wants me to do. But I feel like that's where he wants us to go. And so we're going to start with Mark 1. Verses 1 through 11. Mark is the gospel to the Gentiles. And um, Luke was a doctor. His gospel has a lot of the details in it. John was the disciple that Jesus loved. And so as we look at Mark, we see the gospel in simple terms. So as you think about and look ahead as we go through Mark, you might just remember that it's the gospel to the Gentiles. Would you stand with me as we read out of Mark chapter 1, beginning in 1 through 11. In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written, In Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send a messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. 
Now John was clothed in camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, and with you I am well pleased. Let's pray. Father God, bless your word to our heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. The Gospel writer Mark is writing about a man named John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus. Our text begins with a quote from Isaiah about John the Baptist, saying, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. John came and was commissioned by God to prepare the people for Jesus. He came to the point, he came to point the people to the Messiah. By today's standards, we would judge John's ministry as a failure. His career was short and not very successful. John did not go to the big cities or the capital, but he preached in the wilderness. He preached in the wilderness because that's where God told him to preach. He was isolated. He spent his whole life and his whole ministry out in the Judean wilderness. His ministry was brief, lasting only about a year, and then he was thrown in prison for about a year, resulting in his decapitation. He died a very young man in his 30s. The truth is, John was very successful. Jesus said this about John. He was the greatest man that had ever lived up until this time. And he accomplished exactly what God had told him to do. I can't think of a better life or a better ministry than to do the perfect will of God in your life. John 3.30 John 3, John the Baptist said this, He must increase and I must decrease. You see, John did not complain about his ministry. He knew his job was to humbly prepare the way for Jesus to come and prepare the people to receive Jesus. We could learn a lesson of humility, realizing that our entire ministry is to bring glory to God and not to ourselves or our church. Last Tuesday at CR, there was a great big wooden cross that they had put up front. And at the end of the service, people were called to come up to the cross where there was a pad of paper and a hammer and some nails. And they wrote down their burdens, they wrote down their sins, they wrote down their hurts, their habits, their hang-ups, and they nailed them to the cross. 
At the end of the service, the cross was littered with paper and nails from the people. Just about everybody went up and nailed something to the cross. And they left it there. And that's what the cross is all about. You see, Jesus died for us so that we could leave our burdens, that we could leave our hurts, that we could leave our habits, that we could leave our hang-ups at the foot of the cross and not pick them up, and he would take them and help us to recover. As I've seen the people going forward and watching them nail their burdens to the cross, God laid a burden on my heart, and I went up, and I wrote on a piece of paper, your church, and I nailed it to the cross because God has called me to let his church go. You know, it's, it's not my church. It's his church. And if I let go of his church, then he will do what he wants to in the church. And it's up to me to do what he called me to do. And that's to share his word with the church. But other than that, I take my hands off of the church and I let go and I let God have the church for it's his responsibility. My problem is I must decrease so that he can increase. And maybe that's your problem too. Maybe we've been too hands-on trying to guide and direct and help the church be the church that God wants us to be, but God's, it's God's church. And he says, just let go and let me. You just do what I called you to do. You see, it wasn't John the Baptist's job to build a mega church in the wilderness. John's responsibility was to faithfully preach the gospel and prepare the people for Jesus who was coming. John relied on the preaching of God's word to draw the people. He did not have trunk or treat. He didn't have fish fries with live music to draw the people. He just preached a bold, strong, convictive message. He spoke the truth, and he told sinners what they needed to do was to repent. John told them if they would repent of their sins, that God would forgive them. He told them that they must believe in the coming Messiah. His message was simple. And if they were willing to repent, they could be baptized as a public symbol of their faith. As a public witness, they were dead to their old way of life, and they had a new life in Christ. John's bold preaching cost him his life. The application to us is to do whatever it is that God has called us to do, and then leave the rest to God. Just be faithful and let go and let God. John lived a little different lifestyle than we're accustomed to. He is a little bit rustic, to say the least. His attire consisted of camel hair, and he was accented by leather. His diet was grasshoppers dipped in honey. A little bit strange for what we're accustomed to. I don't think my diet is going to be grasshoppers dipped in honey this week, but it might be mushrooms with crappie. <laughs> that would be good. 
His diet and clothing was a little strange, and Mark thought it was worth writing it down for some reason so that we would know what he looked like and what he ate. Why is that, I wonder? I believe the point might be here that we don't need all the luxuries of life. For God has met every need that we have. Our focus should not be on the world or the things of this world, but our focus should be on seeking and saving the lost and discipling the saints, because that's what God has called us to do. Maybe there are some things that we're holding on to in life that we really don't need to be holding on to at all. Things that keep us from serving the Lord with our whole heart. It might be a relationship, it might be a career, it might be a luxury, it might be a herd, a habit, or a hang-up. But whatever it is, we just need to let it go so that we can do God's perfect will in our life. From the winter of 26 AD to the start of the summer of that year, John was in the wilderness of Judea out by the Jordan River calling people to repent. The people from Jerusalem and Judea were coming out to hear God, God because they was excited about the Messiah coming. They were excited about the Messiah coming because they were tired of the oppression of the Roman rule. And they wanted the Messiah to arrive and deliver them and liberate them. So they were pouring out when they heard that the forerunner of the Messiah was in the wilderness preaching repentance and baptism. John was preaching the good news of repentance, and he was baptizing people as an outward symbol of their inward repentance, and this was going on for about six months when Jesus showed up. Jesus had come to be baptized. Can you imagine John? Has he seen Jesus coming to be baptized by him? He says, you should be baptizing me. Jesus said, no, you baptize me so that all righteousness might be fulfilled. Notice John says, I have baptized with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. That's an important point in this text. According to verse 8, John's baptism was with water, not the Holy Spirit, just like today's baptism. It's an outward sign of what took place on the inside. You see, it's Jesus, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we trust Jesus as the one who can save us from our sins, who can, who can take us to heaven as our Savior and Lord, then we're baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus is the only way we can receive the Holy Spirit. You cannot receive a Holy Spirit baptism by going through this water. It's just water. It, it's not even a good bath because there's no soap. You know, It's just a witness. It's a public testimony of what took place on the inside of you when you was baptized with the Holy Spirit. For the water represents the Holy Spirit of God. And when you come into the water, it's like you're this old person that's coming in. Here's your old life. And you're coming down into the water completely immersed in the Holy Spirit. 
He has all of you, right? That's why we do submersion. That's why Jesus did submersion, right? It says, when Jesus come up out of the water, if he wasn't in the water, he couldn't have come up out of the water, so he must have been in the water and completely submersed under the water for him to come up out of the water. So he was baptized like we baptize. He was submersed completely in the Holy Spirit and come up out representing true righteousness. Now, did Jesus need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins? Absolutely not. He was God. He was sinless. He never sinned in his whole life. But he was baptized because he said all righteousness is fulfilled in this public testimony. You see, it's an act of obedience. When God calls us to go through the baptismal waters, he's calling us for a public confession of faith. He's saying, if you love me, you will be public about it. And when you're public about it and you tell other people that you love me, then I tell everybody in heaven that you're mine. You see, public confession on earth results in public confession in heaven. And Jesus claims you as his child. But it's the first act of obedience that he calls us to do is to go through the baptismal waters and confess him as Lord. John was baptizing people in water who believed that Jesus was coming and they trusted that Jesus was sent by God to forgive them of their sins, which separated them from God. But John preached when Jesus comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John preached to the people about their sins and the reality of their eternal judgment. He preached the wrath to come, eternal hell. He preached that men would go there if they didn't repent without delay and believe in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He warned the people to flee from the wrath to come. He warned them that they couldn't be saved by their rituals and they couldn't be saved by their heritage, but only by the repentance of sin. Well, repentance of sin is this, simply. You're going this way and following the way of the world, and when you repent, you decide to stop going that way and walk this way, the way God wants you to walk. That's repentance. You're sinning, you decide, I'm not going to sin anymore. You repent of that sin, you confess that sin to God, and you turn away from that sin and go the other direction towards God. And you quit walking away from God. That's repentance. Without repentance, there is no forgiveness of sin. One more time, I'm going to say that. Without repentance, there is no forgiveness of sin. You see, you can't say, I know this is sin, and I'm sorry I sinned. Please forgive me, and then continue to do that sin. That's not repentance. You have no turning away from that sin, and God don't see that as being sorry. You're not sorry, you're just sorry you got caught. Amen? That's right, that's true. John preached the gospel to all people. Now the people here mainly refers to Jews. They are the ones who the gospel was first brought to. But it is not limited to them. And the Old Testament indicates that the gospel would be preached to the 
the new covenant, the gospel would be preached to all people, and the new covenant of forgiveness would be preached to all nations. And it's a good illustration because John preached repentance to Herod, who was reproved by John on account of Herodias, his brother's wife. Herod was not a Jew. Herod was an Edomite, not a Jew. Indicates that John didn't limit his preaching to just Jews. He preached to all people. He convicted all people of their sin, and he called all people to repentance. Herod was very upset that he was reproved by John, and so he threw him in jail. The second part of our text, Mark writes about Jesus coming to be baptized. The Gospel of John says it in this way, in 1, 29 through 34, the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man of the ranks before me, I myself did not know him, for it for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, and John said, I saw this. He said, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that he is the Son of God. John said this. He wrote it in his gospel. He said, I've seen it happen. I'm here to be a witness and write it down so that you will know that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, there's all kinds of witnesses throughout the whole word but this is a witness of John who's seen the Trinity. Now think about that for a minute. Here in the Bible is one of the places where you see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all at once. You see the dove, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Not, not a dove, but like a dove coming out of heaven through the air like a dove would fly and landing on Jesus and remaining there. And you hear God's voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father's voice, the Holy Spirit coming down and the Son of God right there all three at once. The Trinity. Here Jesus said that all righteousness might be fulfilled. He was baptized. Jesus shows us that the, the ministry of all righteousness begins with the first act of obedience. As we follow Jesus in a believer's baptism. The public identification with Jesus and our decision to follow him as a believer. To publicly identify with Christ in some places might cost you your life, but not here. If you publicly identify with Christ right here in this place, people will rejoice. People will clap. People will be glad for you. People will love on you. They will hug you. They will say, this is the greatest decision you have ever made, and you will be lifted up. 
In other places, if you ever did that, you would be shot or beheaded. But God calls everybody to public confession and baptism in the same way that Jesus showed us, for he is our perfect example. Baptism is a public statement that you intend to follow God for the rest of your days. There are two ordinances that Jesus left us when he went ascended into heaven. One of them is baptism, and the other one is the Lord's Supper or communion. And we, we continue as the church to do them very ordinances to this, to this day. We observe the Lord's Supper. He said, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you do this, you remember my body, which was broken for you. My blood, which was shed for you. And when we do that public confession of baptism, we are saying that we have asked Jesus to come into our heart and he has done that very thing and the Holy Spirit has come in and he lives inside of us now and I'm going to go through the baptismal waters so that everybody will see that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And that is very important because it's the first act of obedience and I don't believe God will call you to ever do anything else until you do the very first thing that he calls you to do. He wants us all to follow him in obedience. When we're faithful and obedient to follow Jesus in a believer's baptism, God places his stamp of approval on our lives. Just as God placed his stamp of approval on Jesus Christ and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Right there publicly in front of all the people that were there that day. And John recorded it in the gospel. Jesus came up out of the water, which was proof that he was in the water. The stamp of approval that he was the son of God from the voice of God from heaven proclaiming that this was true. And we read the eyewitness account of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us in the human form, the Holy Spirit, God in the spirit form, and the voice of God the Father all at the same time written and expressed by eyewitnesses in the Holy Scriptures. The triune Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Sometimes it's kind of hard to grasp, but maybe this illustration will help you see how that works. You think about water, you think about lakes and rivers, water that comes out of the tap, drinking a cool glass of water on a hot, sunny day, the liquid form, H2O water. But if you put that water in the freezer, it will become ice, a solid form of H2O. Still water, still H2O, but in the solid form. If you put that water under some heat, it might become steam or the vapor form of water. Still H2O, but in vapor. And thus the Son of God, Jesus in the solid form, the human form, the Holy Spirit in the vapor form, and all being God 
like water. All three the same, all in different forms. In conclusion, if you've never repented of your sins, believing that Jesus is God's Son, that He died for you, that God raised Him from the dead, and you pray this prayer with me and receive the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will come and live in your heart and you will be a child of God and God will call you to follow Him in a believer's baptism and confess Him publicly before people. And when you confess Him before people, God will confess you before all the saints in heaven. The angels in heaven rejoice at every confession. If you prayed that prayer and received the Holy Spirit in your heart, God asks you to make that public. He asks you to step out and come to this altar before this body of believers and confess Him as Lord of your life. Tell everybody how He come into your heart and saved you. And then He commands us to follow Him in a believer's baptism. And if that is you this morning, I pray that you come during this invitation time and tell everybody about what Jesus has done in your heart and how you intend on following Him. Believers, during this invitation time, I ask that you pray. I ask that you pray for people in the church this morning. I ask that you pray for people that are listening on Facebook, online. I pray that you pray for people that you know that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit would begin to work in their heart and that they would ask the Lord to come and live inside of them. Whatever it is that God is calling you to today, I pray that you would make that public, that you would step out, that you would let everybody know how God is working in your life during this invitation time. Would you stand and pray with me? Father, this morning, there may be someone here that's never accepted you as Lord and Savior. There may be someone listening on, on live stream that's never accepted you as Lord and Savior. There may be someone that listens to the podcast that's never accepted you as Lord and Savior, but they want to. And the way you do that is you pray to God and you pray like this and you can repeat this prayer after me. You can say, God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me and I believe that he's your only son. And I believe that he died for me and that you raised him from the dead. I want him to come into my life and live in my heart and forgive me of all my sins. I'm tired of carrying them. I want to be free of them. And I want to repent of them. I want to turn away from them and live a life according to your will. I ask you to be Lord of my life because I want to live for you from this day forward. Thank you for saving me. If you prayed that simple prayer and you meant it, the Holy Spirit has come and descended on you just like it did on Jesus as John the Baptist baptized him. And the Holy Spirit is now in you and you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. And now God will call you 
to make a public confession and say to these people what has happened to you. That you would go and tell someone what God just did in your heart. And then in the first act of obedience, he calls us to follow him in a believer's baptism. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you need to come and say, Jesus is in my heart. I ask him to come in and he saved me and I want to follow him in a believer's baptism. Maybe this morning you're not a member of this church, but you want to be a member of this church and you want to be part of what God is doing here. And you do that by coming forward during the invitation time and just stating that fact that you want to be a member here. Maybe as a believer, there's something that we're holding on to. Something that keeps us from being all that God wants us to be. And maybe like John, we should just live basically and get everything else out of the way so that we can do the perfect will of God. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, and as believers all over the, this auditorium are praying, I pray that God's will will be done during this invitation time. And we'll just give God all the praise and glory for everything that takes place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to be singing page 317. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. Our prayer is that if you were touched by this message, that you will respond with action. If you would like to accept Christ as your Lord, we ask that you pray the following prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I do not deserve eternal life, but I believe that you died and rose from the grave to make me a new creation and to prepare me to dwell in your presence forever. Jesus, come into my life, take control of my life, forgive my sins, and save me. I am now placing my trust in you alone for my salvation, and I accept your free gift of eternal life. If you prayed this prayer with us today, then you know that you are truly saved. We'd love to hear from you so that we might connect in a meaningful way, encouraging you to be active in the local church, and share the same saving message of Jesus Christ. Please feel free to contact our pastor, visit our church, or find a Bible-believing local congregation near you. However you respond, please let us know.